Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Football Talk from the Yorkshire Post, where we'll be discussing some of the latest talking points from the world of football with members of our football writing team. On this week's episode, we're joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Stuart Rayner, and Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Leon Wapshall, to discuss all of the latest developments affecting our local clubs. Don't forget you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging on to our website at yp.sport.nationalworld.com as well as checking out our various Twitter feeds, the main one being at YP Sport. If you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. And if you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages or email us directly with the subject matter as football talk podcast at yp.sport at nationalworld.com. Yorkshirepost.co.uk As mentioned earlier in the intro, this week we're joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Stuart Rayner, and Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Leon Wobshall. Good afternoon, guys. Afternoon. 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 Um, so this week uh, we start in the Premier League where Leeds United fell to a gutsy 2-1 defeat at the hands of table-topping Manchester City. Um, in spite of the hard-working performance, um, results elsewhere mean that the Whites are now second from bottom and two points from safety. Um, with their situation being the way that it is, how many points from the last three games do you think the Whites will need to secure their Premier League status, uh, Stuart? it's really hard to tell because every time you write a team off, like Everton, for example, I think Everton had gone 12 games without a win, hadn't they? Mm -hmm. They just pull something from nowhere and you just just don't know what to expect. I think from Leeds' point of view, they've just got to be aiming for 36 plus, I would say. I think they need to beat West Ham and Spurs and if they can get anything from Newcastle and then just see where it takes them. Um, that 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 might be enough. Uh, you know, West Ham have got thirty-seven, and seem pretty people. People are pretty confident they'll be safe. Um, but you you just can't be. You just you you just can't be setting yourself targets at this stage beyond just do everything you can. I think. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, who who's to know if. You know, Jamie Vardy suddenly has a has a good weekend, or Everton click again like like they did, or you know, Forest build on the on the results at Southampton. Who's to who's to know where they'll they'll get to? Um, Leeds just have to have to build on what positives there were from the from the Man City game, and there were a few in the way that they the way that they hung in after the after the collapses we've seen quite recently. Mm. Take all those good things, build on them, and just. Get the absolute maximum out of themselves, and if it if it's not enough, well, it's it, it's not enough. I think there's a fair chance it's going to go to the last. I mean, there's going to be a lot of maths involved, but I'd be very surprised if it didn't go down to the to the last day for at least one of the um, yeah, slots. Yeah, I mean, it, Jamie Carragher said, didn't he say 35 the other, other day? I'd, I'd probably say, I, mean, I think 36, and yeah, and you uh, you will be will be safe. I mean, Leeds just need a. They need a moment from somebody, don't I mean, Everton, Everton had, um, listening to the radio on the way back from Middlesbrough, you know, it sounds like Dwight McNeil really stepped up and, and, and came to the to the uh, party and, uh, you know, brilliant individual performance from him, you know, grabbed the game by the scuff of the net and fair play to Everton, absolutely brilliant win there at, um, at, at Brighton. And they just need a few people, Lee's need some of the, yeah, you know, the, uh, the offensive base players. I mean, we've talked about defence a lot, but others to to sort of step up to the to the plate as well. I mean, it, and to be fair, I mean Newcastle will be they'll be favourites going into the game on on Saturday, but they'll they'll be under a bit of pressure as well. I mean, they got they're coming off a off a you know a home defeat against Arsenal. They've got their own pressures at the um, other end of the of the table. But uh, I suppose one thing Leeds have got um, two home games out of. Out of three, but yeah, I would I would suggest they'll they'll have to win um, two of them. I'm not going to go, go completely into the, the maths and the permutations, but keeping it simplistic, I think that's that's probably what I'd say. I mean, the thing Leeds have got to take some confidence for is the fact that they were backed into a corner last season and, and they got something at Brentford. Yeah. So yeah. I say they have got it. They have got it within them. I say there were there were you know there were lots of worrying signs in the first half against Manchester City with how how much better Man City were. But of course they are Manchester City. You know you've got to you've got to bear that in mind. They're you know arguably the best team in Europe right now. So it's it's no surprise. But I say what was encouraging 
was that they didn't fold in the way that they had when they went behind to Palace, to Liverpool, to Bournemouth. You know, that was that was encouraging. It was good to see good to see Adam Forshaw back. He added a bit of energy to the midfield and just an extra body as much as anything. You know, the goalkeeping improved. For Joel Robles coming in for obviously, you know, completely out of uh, out of confidence in our melee and uh, yeah, I say that there, there were there were things to cling to, but of course, at this time of year, I mean, I'm not I'm not criticising Leeds for not getting the result, but ultimately, if you don't if you don't get any points, then the the caveats and that don't matter. You know, they they just have to they just have to deliver somewhere somewhere down the line. And and I agree with Leon; it, it will be difficult against Newcastle, but the flip side of these games is that these these teams can put themselves under as much pressure as as, as the opposition can sort of thing and uh, I say Liverpool and you know Manchester United are within closing distance of Newcastle that no, that will have an effect yeah and uh, now let's turn our attention to the EFL playoffs uh, and let's start with Middlesbrough who already knew their fate by finishing fourth uh, but now they know that their opponent, uh, opponents in the semi-final will be Coventry City. Um, although Michael Carrick's team have performed remarkably well uh, since he took over, uh, they've certainly gone off the boil uh, somewhat over the last few games. Um, how confident should uh, the Middlesbrough fans be of a Wembley appearance, Leon? Yeah, they're, they're certainly not going into it um, flying out of the mark. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a funny position, really, isn't it, when you've qualified with... With three games to go, um, you know what? What do you do? I mean, you, it's, it's nice to continue the momentum, but you, you're obviously conscious of protecting protecting some of the leading players. And obviously, the, the qualification has, has sort of coincided with some, you know, a, a bit of a glut of injuries, really. And to be fair, for most of Carrick's reign, um, certainly the the most of the earlier part, you know, the side sort of pretty much sort of picked itself, didn't it? Really, but. I think that's the. I think the bigger concern, rather than the the actual results, will be obviously the issue with some of the some of the key players. Obviously, Ryan, uh, Ryan Giles came back for the for the Coventry Coventry game, and um, no, there's been no ill effects from him. He had a bit of a back issue. Riley McGree's had a couple of games to get back in the in the fray. You know, I thought he played reasonably well on on Monday, and he he got ninety minutes. And then Tommy Smith had an issue, he's been back. But then you look at the ones who have been out and, you know, the big one for me, I don't know what Stuart thinks, is, is definitely um, Johnny House. And you know, in the first half, we, we, we've spoken a, a few times this season about about Coventry. I think they're an excellent side. And um, they were they were pretty dominant in the in the first half. And I, and I thought that Borough really just missed Housen's um, calm in there. I mean, they played, um, you know, Hayden Hatton's had a, had a terrific breakthrough season, but he's only a lad, really, isn't he? And uh, fair play to Alex Mowat. He's 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 coming at towards the end of the season, and um, you know he's he's looked good in in patches. But you know, Housen's the real sort of leader there, and um, obviously he pulled up in the warm up in the previous game against Rotherham. It was never going to be risked, risk, I don't think, against Coventry. But I mean, afterwards, Carrick saw he was pretty philosophical speaking about well we're we you know still think we're in a good place we've got a good squad we'll we'll um, deal with whatever issues we have but I, I think inwardly but he'll be really will be hoping that that he can he can get house and uh, back for the um, for the, the the two playoff games there and then this Marcus Force as well uh, Isaiah Jones has come in he's he's had his moments he's was had a difficult season but he's Sort of came back in. He made a bit of a difference in the the game against Hull, coming on at half time. A little bit up and down in in the game since. You know, ideally, uh, Callie would love to to have force fit firing and available. He's you know he's he's, he's very reliable. He's energ- energetic. Really keeps his um, discipline and and is a threat. But I mean, he's very cagey with the the talk about the about the injuries and he's a bit coy and. By all accounts, he it, it, it might be a little way off um, force. Who's an having said that? But he'll, he'll be, I think, inwardly, he'll be desperate that House and can be fixed. He's a big player. Yeah, I, th- I think, I mean, you know, I'm old enough to remember um, a young Johnny House and in the 2008 League One playoffs when he was a real 
leader then, even at that young age, yeah. for for Leeds United. Um, I remember him scoring twice against uh, against Carlisle in the semi final, second leg to get them through. And and yeah. he's he's still that leader now. You know, he's a different, obviously a different type of player. Um, you know, he's more more box to box goal threat than nowadays. He's more of a defensive type, but he, he's just one of those key figures in the Middlesbrough side and you know hopefully I mean who's to know because as as Leon says Michael Carrick's playing his cards very close to his chest but hopefully you know I would have imagined I would have thought if Middlesbrough had had anything on the line against either Rotherham or Coventry then Housen probably would have played in those games Force probably would have played in those games and maybe done themselves some damage so hopefully we'll be saying that that you know, uh, not not having anything on the line in those couple of games made the difference for those two in terms of them being fit for the semi-final. But yeah, it's a difficult one. It's the same situation for Barnsley, really. When you when you qualify for the playoffs that early and you you're just basically treading water for a bit, it, it is a very difficult one. But it, it is incredible how the playoffs can just be a reset for some teams. And and you know, as I said last week, we all try and sort of look at the form and look at the logic and, and this, that and the other. And some years it just it just completely goes out of the window. So Middles will be hoping hoping that's one for them. I mean, certainly they're they're well set up for playoff football in the sense Leon's talked in the past about how, you know, the failings of this team are are, are more defensive. But, you know, they score so many goals, you know, Cameron Archer was on the on the score sheet again. They're almost like a cup team. You know, score a lot, concede a lot, and that's not a bad way to be going into the playoffs. So if they can just get a bit of that mojo back, um, you know, finger, fingers crossed for them. I mean, Coventry unbeaten in the last seven, but they've only won three of them, so they're not absolutely storming into the playoffs as as, as some of these teams who who make it late are. Um, but yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. House and being missing would be a big psychological blow as as much as a as much as a footballing one for Middlesbrough, so they really need to need to get him fit, and hopefully, they say they'll have had enough time to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they'll. Um, yeah, I think the thing to say as well is fair play to both of these sides. I, um, you know, you think back to the start of the um, autumn or you know in October, and you know, obviously, I think that they were um, bottom of the table that. I mean, a lot. It was a little bit skewed, wasn't it, because of the issues with the pitch there, and they had a lot of away games early on. But you know, bottom of the pile, we know a lot about the problems they've had. Um, you know, the ownership issues there, and uh, what a remarkable story it is from. You know, a really um, under the radar but very capable manager in, in Mark Robbins. He's, he's done an absolutely brilliant job at, at uh, Coventry. And, some good jobs done by a few at championship level this this season, and for me, there's none better than what he's achieved there. You know what a story to get them into into playoff um, contention. The same as well with Middlesbrough. Obviously, they were in the bottom three when they lost at Coventry in in, in October, and now they're both in the uh, playoffs. You know that's the uh, the championship, isn't it? And it'll be a really, I think it'll be a really good two legs of uh, of football. Coventry for me have got two of the best players in the division in, in certainly Gorkarez and um I really like Hamer in midfield and he was he was excellent in the in the first half at Boris scored the goal and um you know for for Coventry's sake they'll be obviously they get promoted they might be able to keep them because I, I just can't see them keeping hold of them if they don't manage to uh, to go up so yeah it's a really good story as I suppose as are these the other semi final as well between um, Sunderland and and Luton, I think the trick for Borough is, you know, certainly in the first leg, there'll be a hell of a lot of excitement, you know, just justifiably so at Coventry. You know, they've been a Premier League club in the past. They've had some travails in the lower divisions and now they're only could be three games away from a top flight return. And, you know, the crowd will be, the away fans at Middlesbrough were really, really up for it. And you could see what it meant to them afterwards. And, you know, it'll be a real cauldron there, and they're the sort of side Coventry when they hit the straps, they can blow teams away. I've, I've seen that um, once or twice in the, in the last few seasons. So, as much as Middlesbrough get sort of patted on the back for sort of offensive play, I think the first leg for sure will be about how they how they manage to cope with Coventry from a defensive point of view. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of um, a lot of expectation on Middlesbrough as well because I think yeah. quite wrongly. Yeah. 
people will talk down Luton and Coventry just because of the, the size of the football yeah. clubs. Uh, and say the fact of the matter is Luton finished third. So, you know, they're, you know, they're argue, they arguably should be the favourites, but the stature of them is where, obviously Sunderland are a big club as well, but it's their first season back in the championship. There'll be, there'll be expectation which Middlesbrough haven't had to deal with that often this season. And again, you know, that's why people like House and, and uh, some of the other experienced players in their squad will have, will have an important part to play. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, they just need to, they just need to enjoy it because, as, as Leon's already alluded to, if you if you look at the the season as a whole, there's absolutely no way where Michael Carrick took this job that that Middlesbrough should yeah. have been in contention for the Premier League. Um, so they should, you know, they should be treating this as a as a free hit and going out and enjoying it because it's easier said than done with everything at stake. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and uh, in League One, there is a real possibility of a an all South Yorkshire playoff final. Uh, uh, with Sheffield Wednesday, who finished the season 19 points ahead of their opponents, Peterborough United. And although Barnsley finished five points ahead of Bolton, they only took five points out of the last 15. Um, so what are the chances of both sides, Leon? Yeah, I mean, Stuart touched on it um, earlier there. It's been, a, you know, it's been a funny one for, for Middlesbrough in that they've sort of clinched the playoff place with a few games left, you know, similar to Barnsley. And, you know, they also had a bit of an outside chance of the of the top two. Obviously, they they lost at home to, to Ipswich and, and that was that. So, you know, Michael Duff had spoken about, you know, if anybody's 50-50, he won't, um, he, you know, he, he won't miss them. And, you know, that's, that's the sensible thing to do, isn't it, really? You know, as much as Barnsley, you want them a momentum ideally you, you want you want the players to be in pristine condition for when it's um, when it matters they've got a big injury concern with touched on house and um Barnes is, is regarding Mads Anderson who's you know been outstanding all season deservedly got in the in the, the EFL League One team of, of the year he's been out with a, a bit of a glute issue for a couple of games they'll be um you know sweating on him and Barnsley fans will be desperate that um, he gets back in into the starting lineup, they obviously, you know, they conceded um, four at MK Dons, another couple at, at home to Peter. But so yeah, that's that'll be the big, the big one for uh, for Barnsley. But as Stuart said about, uh, you know, about uh, middles, but just remembering where they sort of came from earlier in the season. I think Barnsley it's probably even a bit longer than that. I mean, few people thought they'd be in the shake up for the top six back in um, uh, last summer. Hell of a lot of players left. Michael Duff called it a bit of a crazy um, uh, sort of close close season, a bit a bit chaotic. So for them to get into this position is is outstanding. Fourth place finish, and uh, yeah, I think it'll be. I think it's got the makings of a, of a pretty tight one against against Bolton. There's, it could be spicy as well. There's a been a little bit of bad blood between the, the sides this season. I think they drew. Um, Nil nil in the in the league, and um, Ian Everett sort of had a little bit of a pop afterwards, saying that Barnsley, you know, for a Championship side last season, were a bit unambitious. And then there was a bit of an I think it was the FA Cup game. There was a bit of an issue with uh, with towels, and uh, the, you know, the referee reprimanding. I think it was it was Tom Edwards who was on loan at the time of Barnsley for using the towels and and um, getting it white for for throwing in the long throws. And there was a bit of a, I think there was a bit of a kerfuffle afterwards between Duff and um, Everett. So that's got a lot of spicy potential with that one. And obviously Bolton, um, I saw them relatively recently at Sheffield Wednesday. And I thought they were a pretty good footballing team, and I, I, I like the cut of the jib. They also won three 0 at uh, Barnsley, and I think it was in January. And Anderson got, speaking of Anderson, he got a bit of a rough. Um, sending off call Barnsley have had a few of them this season so yeah I think that one will be uh, pretty tight on all Stuart things yeah I, I mean I think they should both be both be tight yeah I mean it, it, mm. it is a strange one for, for Barnsley as he, as Leon says Mads Anderson is the real big yeah. issue for them you know he's arguably the best defender in League One he's certainly one of the best yeah. and a, and a Big, big factor in in what Barnsley do. So again, like House, it'll be it'll be as much a psychological issue as a as a footballing yeah. issue if they line up line up without him there. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I find Sheffield Wednesday quite interesting because obviously they've 
yeah. finished the season with 96 points. You know, talked before about how when you're third in that situation, the players could be a bit of a booby prize, but they do seem to have come to terms with it a bit. You know, they've finished yeah. the season with four straight wins. So hopefully that's a sign that they've sort of got their heads around things and they're going to get things right. But, you know, by by beating Derby, which was a, you know, good win against dangerous opposition on the last game of the season, they've actually opened the door to Peterborough and Darren Ferguson, the playoff specialist. So who knows whether they'll, yeah. they'll come to rue that or not. I mean, they lost it, uh, they, they lost it on the road earlier in the season. And uh, yeah, it, 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 it's just, it, you can, you, as I said earlier, you can apply all the logic in the world to the playoffs, but so often it's just, it's just not relevant. There's no, there's no way of knowing. No, no. With the points tally, the Owls have finished on, they should definitely win the playoffs. But, you know, by the same token, if there was a, if there was to be a Sheffield Wednesday Barnsley final, after Barnsley beating them twice this season, Barnsley would be thinking, well, we should be the, we should be the favourites for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's, there's, there's so many, so many different ways you, you can look at it. But um, yeah, it's just, it's just exciting that we've we've got two teams in this position. They thoroughly deserve it for the consistency they've they've shown over the season. And I I just hope in these last two or hopefully three games for both of them, they can just give good accounts for the, of, of themselves. Because mm-hmm. if they, if they do, they will be playing each other in the final. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of have in mind back to to last season. You know, it was a little bit different for Wednesday, but they they sort of headed in, into the playoffs in decent nick as well, didn't they? And they. Mm. Remember they, uh, I think they hammered, hammered um, Portsmouth, wasn't it, on the last day? I seem to remember. You know, the, 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 they sort of look at the stats. They've won four, four in a row, five out, out of six. They're looking a decent place. Josh Windass had his um, got half an hour in, as Darren Moore wanted against uh, Derby. Um, you know, there's others like Aidan Flynn, and he he came back in. Michael Kerry was was rested, but he's he's fine. Um, by all accounts, Lee Gregory is going to be okay as well. There was obviously that concern after the um, after he practiced his cheekbone in the um, in training last week. But by all accounts, he might be wearing one of those Phantom of the Opera masks or something like that. But uh, he sounds to be that he's he might be okay. And um, yeah, I, you know, I think I mentioned it last week, but it's probably worth going over it again. I, I, the game they had, the penultimate um, game of the season at Shrewsbury, it's. It was a day they missed out on the top two, but you know, it was a day when Wednesday could have felt sorry for themselves. Blah blah blah. The supporters, as much as anyone else, and you know, did the job. Got a good three 0 win. You know, the, you know, there was really inspirational support there, and you know, the, the fans really lifted the players and galvanised them. And and um, you know, I think hopefully Wednesday can draw on that from their perspective in these games to come. It was it was sort of a case from the fans look. Okay, it's not ideal. We want to finish second. We sort of blown it a little bit, but let's let's move on. Let's let's get to Wembley. Let's um, not feel sorry for ourselves. And you know, I thought it was it was great support. But yeah, the I think the big test comes now, doesn't it? Really, I, I, I don't know what Stuart thinks. I, I think more would put he, he quite likes games that you know his teams can sort of control. And you know, I, I don't think he'll want it, he'll want it to turn into a basketball game against um, Peterborough. Who, I think they're one of those sides that when they do really hit the straps and get their A, a game, they're, they're very, very dangerous. And obviously, Wednesday go there, the first leg, and they were beaten there in the regular season. And um, yeah, there's certainly goals and and chances in that Peterborough side. And I think Moore will just be conscious of them needing to sort of um, you know manage the game over or manage the two legs really and. Hopefully, you know that defensive organisation and um, seniority will, will, will see them through. But you know that that's what they hoped against Sunderland, didn't they? And it didn't quite quite happen. So um, yeah, they're obviously desperate to lay some ghosts Sheffield Wednesday. And if they, if it is if they are the last team standing, in, in, you know, in the League One place, I don't think uh, it'll you know mean the actual absolute world to everyone there. You know, obviously. It'll be, Big achievement for any of the other clubs, but they've been through a, a hell of a lot there. Yeah, I mean the fact the fans are going to be so important. To, you know, to the extent I would say if they if they just were to get a boring draw at Peterborough, yeah, you yeah. would you would fancy the chances of, of doing it at, at Hillsborough. But as Leo says, because of the ghosts of the past, 
you know, it's yeah. it's not just about the numbers they get at Hillsborough. That's absolutely guaranteed. It's about having that positivity that, as Leon says, when he when he was at the Shrewsbury game, he experienced. Yeah. You know, and not and not that nervousness, which you know you couldn't criticise them for. They, all these fans are human beings, and and it cares. Yeah. You know, they yeah. care so much. They're bound to be a bit nervous, but if they can overcome that and and really really get behind the team, then you know that should be such a such a big weapon for for Sheffield Wednesday in the playoffs. So say if they can if they can set it up with just a, a solid first leg, hopefully um, those fans can can see them over the line, and you know at least at least both of those South Yorkshire clubs have done a, a good enough job over the forty six games that they they've got that home advantage for the second leg. So hopefully they're both able to make good use of it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in League Two, Bradford City will be taking on Carlisle United, uh, with whom they share an almost identical record. Um, with these two teams having very little to separate them uh, in the regular season, what will Mark Hughes need to do to get the edge over uh, his opponents, Stuart? Get a good home win, I think. Yeah. Um, the the nervous cynic in me looks at their record: two two league points at Carlisle since nineteen eighty five. And just thinks, get get the job done as far as you can in that in that home game. Um, talk about the uh, talked about the Sheffield Wednesday supporters. Then Bradford were magnificently supported against uh, Leighton Orient on Monday. Should add as well, by the way, that the Orient fans were absolutely terrific in terms of the way they joined in the minutes applause for the victims of the of the Bradford fire disaster. They applauded the Bradford youth team at half time. You know, very respectful of the minute silence, but but Bradford supporters, Mark Hughes made a point afterwards. Even though the t- the team went behind, they didn't allow any of that nervousness to creep in. They really got behind their team, and they're going to need the they're going to need the same again in in the first leg because you know we've seen many times this season with Bradford, they've been let down by by draws at home. I think I think on this occasion, they really need to get themselves uh, a first leg advantage just. Just to settle those nerves, going to Carlisle because I say it, it is it is nip and tuck between the two teams. But Carlisle do have this do have this edge at, at Brunton Park. I don't I don't quite know why, but um, you know things things just seem to go well for them in in those fixtures. And when you have that feeling about a game, whether you're a striker who always scores against a team or a team who always does well against another team, it does give you that psychological edge. Um, so, so Bradford need to need to make the most of it and just just cut out on on these lapses of concentration. There was just an, just another one against Late Orient. Um, Adam Clayton went down injured for a couple of minutes. Bradford just didn't switch on quickly enough afterwards. Conceded a goal and they're playing catch up. They, they responded really quickly. They did really well, but they, they 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 just need to need to cut out those mistakes because the quality is there. You know, you look at the you look at the centre forward they've got with. You know, past the thirty goals mark for the season, you look at the quality of the goalkeeper. Um, they don't, they don't make enough of that because they they just make too many sloppy little mistakes that that, that cost them. So the fans need to be on their game, but more than anything, the players need to just be fully concentrated for. I was going to say for ninety minutes, but um, as Leon knows from watching them the other week, for one hundred and two minutes or however long it ends up being. Yeah, it was funny. I, I did the I did the game between Bradford and Carlisle at uh, Bradford re- relatively recently, and um, you know it was one of those that it, it, Bradford. It, it was a big game then in the automatic promotion picture. The you know the th- the third place the spot really did look live then, and they both sort of cancelled the, themselves um, out a little bit. It was, it was still an you know an absorbing game, but I. Um, I remember speaking to one of the um, you know Bradford press who's been there a long, long time, and we sort of almost said in unison, "This looked like it could well be a dress rehearsal for the for the playoffs," and um, you know, so it proved. And uh, yeah, it was it was some f- fascinating matchups across the um, across the pitch. Cook had a really good battle with um, Carlisle's captain. I think is it Morgan Feeney, centre half, and yeah, it was a real good. A good battle between the between the pair, and uh, you know, it ended on his even. Although Carlisle nearly won it right with the last kick. Um, Jordan Gibson, who Bradford know a fair bit about, he hit the post. But you know, on the day, a draw was a was a pretty fair result. And Carlisle are, are, are a good side. They've got some 
they're very well organised. They've got some good young players. I like the look, look of, of Moxon in um, in midfield. I think he got in the PFA team of the year as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, it would be as Stuart said, it would be tremendous if if Bradford can can take something into the um, into the second leg. And they've got a pretty, by all accounts, they've got a pretty rough record at uh, at Brunton Park. But what a what a time to change it! And um, you know, Stuart uh, alluded earlier about Johnny House and. And I remember, I remember that playoff with with Leeds and Carlisle um, a, a few moons ago now, wasn't it? And I think Leeds drew the first leg at home, and um, then they had a, a famous night in, um, in in Cumbria. So you know, just hope from a Bradford perspective they could hopefully get a lead, but certainly you know stay in the um, the tie with positivity going up there and. Um, I actually think I don't think it's too bad a thing that this, that they'll be away for the second leg either. I think obviously there's a Stuart saw it the other day. There's a hell of a lot of power in that crowd. But you know, if they were playing the second leg of semi final at home, you know, there'd be a massive amount of pressure and expectation on on Bradford. So I don't necessarily think it's too bad a thing going away. You know, respectfully of, of how strong Carlisle. Are. Ah, oh, going away in the second leg. I think the onus will be a bit more, um, and you know the pressure on Carlisle, on Carlisle really. And um, you know the Bradford have been, re- you know, they've been pretty, pretty consistent away from home by and large. I think they've got the best um, goals against in, in the defensive record on the travels in the division. So yeah, but uh, that it's got the makings of another time on potentially as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, fights the matter here. Bradford are better away than at home. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think there's only Leighton Orient have got a better away record. So, yeah, I totally agree that um, you know to be a, to be away second is certainly nothing to be yeah. fearful of, and, and certainly you know Mark Hughes wasn't afterwards. I just wish they were going anywhere yeah. but Cumbria, to be honest with you. Yeah, because yeah. because of that record. But as Leon says, you know that that's the that's the. I mean, I was talking to a couple of players, Bradford players, about this before the. Northampton game that as as fans you kind of look at it from the negative what can go wrong perspective but as players yeah. and, and managers you you tend to look at it more from the what could go right perspective and that is mm-hmm. that it's that positivity which gets them to be successful um footballers and gets the rest of us to be just sat at home waffling about them on podcasts you know so um I'm sure they won't yeah. They won't. They won't see it in terms of bad omens and all that sort of thing. They'll just see it as there's a there's a game out there to to be won, and you know, and the prize of going to Wembley if they do. Which, by the way, if they get to Wembley, it'll practically be like a home game, I'm sure, because of the number of Bradford fans who were there. But um, yeah, they've just they've just got to they've just got to get the job done. And they, I say they've they've teased us all season long, luring you into thinking they're going to do this and do that, and just. Just dropping short. I just, I just really hope that when it matters most, um, they can rise to the occasion. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I, I know a lot of people talk about history being a lot of bunker, but you, you know, you do look at, you know, sort of off the top of my head. I'm thinking of Bradford's playoff history. I can, you know, I remember a few occasions where they've been at, been at home in the, um, in the first leg, and it's got not gone the way they, they sort of wanted it to pan out. I think that they was it the Burton game when they when they won. I think that was two thousand and twelve, thirteen when they ended up beating Northampton at uh, Wembley. I, I think Bradford lost lost the first leg at home, and then um, you know had, had a brilliant result away from home. And I think the famous one was um, I think it was, was ninety five, ninety six when they. They lost. Uh, I think lost two 0 at home to to Blackpool. Sam Allardyce, funnily enough, was was manager of Blackpool then, and um, Chris Kamara was he was he was City manager. And there was a famous story. Of, I think it was the program. Um, the, I think it was the Blackpool program. And uh, I think it had details of coach travel to Wembley or something like that. So that was that was Kamara's team team talk. And Bradford won three 0 So even if they just get you know. Let's hope they do win on, on Sunday and take something up up the M6. But if they don't, it's not all over. No, no. I mean, it, it was it was quite funny after the game actually. Just just on a on a similar theme, talking to Brad Halliday and just you know casually talking about this that the other and uh, and uh, when we get to the final and I just pulled him up on it. I said, yeah. "When you get to yeah. the final?" He said, "Yeah, when we get to the final." And then Marquis came mm-hmm. in afterwards and like, do you, do you, 
do you, do you like him talking like that? Yeah, great. You know, they they really want. Mm. I say they 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 wire differently to us mere mortals. They they love that positivity, yeah. and there is that belief in the camp that look, we are going to do it. And that you know, they must look around the dressing room and see people like Adam Clayton and Richie Smallwood and think you know we've got the experience yeah. to do this, and see people like Cook and Lewis and think we've got the ability to do this. So they won't they won't be afraid, and they shouldn't be afraid. You know, with the backing of that. Uh, of that crowd, I say it's it's uh, it's it's negative people like me who chew the fingernails and 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 think about what what can go wrong. But they'll be they'll be much more positive about this uh, task. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a few players on each side as well who played for each club, haven't they? I mean, I think off mm. top of my head, there's like Sir Gibson and um, I think Lewis Guy he had a he had a spell at at Bradford and I know that did Andy Cook started off at Carlisle and um, I know Alex Gidley had and he, I think Adam Clayton has been on loan there as well yes, 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 so uh, yes. there's a lot um, there's, there's a few little subplots there and um, yeah it'll, it'll be another fascinating one and uh, elsewhere in League Two uh, Doncaster Rovers have announced the departure of Danny Schofield Um what did you make of his time at the club? And with the chairman saying that they expect to announce a replacement within the next 10 days, that they must surely um, have been talking to one or two people. And who could they be, Leon? Well, I think that um, from what I can gather, they have sort of sound, sounded out um, Grant McCann. I don't know to quite to know what, what degree, but, you know, they'd be, uh, you know he's, he'd tick a lot of boxes. He's, he's, he's available after leaving... Um, uh, Peterborough early in the um, early in the, in the year. Obviously, he was he got a lot of stick when he left a few years back to go to um, uh, to Hull. But I don't think he left on that much bad blood with the in terms of the board. It was more the fans. But obviously, you look at Doncaster's demise since you know McCann had left, and they, you know he'd taken them to within a, a penalty shootout at Wembley and a potential return to the championship, and they've just you know. It, there's not too many other clubs in the EFL who had such a, a descent in the in the space of three or four years, and you know they're desperate for some sort of inspirations and something to cling on to. I, I wrote you know a piece for the paper today. I watched Stuart things. I just think that they just cannot, they just can't afford to to get this one wrong. They um, yeah. obviously opted for three relatively unproven um, young managers. I mean, to be fair, McCann's not that old, but he's, he's got a bit of miles on the clock but it's obviously it's not worked with um, Danny Schofield and, 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 um, and Gary McSheffrey and obviously Richie Wellens and I, mean, I think there were a lot of obviously other issues that they had to contend with there but you know, more especially you know the budget but obviously this season going into next season they've got all sorts of rancour from the fans um, Terry Bramall said look we've got a Increase the budget, you know, saying we've got to go for promotion. So, I think the probably the bottom line was could they would they trust the sort of Danny Schofield to get the get the players in, and then eventually start next season. It doesn't doesn't go right. The fans would dictate a, a change pretty quickly, or do they sort of you know part company as they as they, as they have done pretty pretty soon after the the end of the, of the season. Just a, a bit of a clean slate and uh, and bring someone in, and they, they desperately need need somebody with. With experience, who's had success knows the lower, lower divisions. So, you know, there's, there's other candidates as well, but certainly McCann. You know, he looks looks a standout in that regard. But uh, you know, and as well, I, I, you know, for all the difficulties that Danny Schofield has, you've got to feel sorry for him as well, haven't you? You know, he had was it seventy days at um, at, at Huddersfield, obviously after Carlos Corbron left, and uh, that was a real. Baptism of fire, you know, for a for a rookie at uh, you know his first head coaching job, not you know not not in League Two in the, in the Championship, and the side who'd reached the playoff final a few months earlier. So uh, obviously he left there relatively quickly to Doncaster's hometown club, and you know it just start to unravel, hasn't it? And uh, on a human level, you just hope that you know it hasn't um, hammered. Um, Danny's confidence too much because he's a you know he's a likable fella. Yeah, you know, he, he was passionate about his job, and no one, you know, he gave his absolute all there. And you just told that he's, you know, he doesn't go out of football, and he can get a, get a, a, a safer coaching job somewhere. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd completely echo echo that. I mean, you, you know, you worry from his perspective after two two sackings in his first season that he struggled. He's going to struggle to get back into another yeah. first team yeah. management job. But you know, um, he was well respected as an academy an academy coach. Yeah. Hopefully, that might be that might be a route for him to stay in the game because people, you know, the the game needs people like him, not not yeah. just good guys, but people who think a lot about mm-hmm. about the game. But you know, yeah, exactly. You know, and you know, if this had been cricket or rugby union or sports like that, you know, he, pr- he probably would have been given the chance to to put things right. But you can under you, you can totally understand it. You know, he can't have yeah. any complaints. He's lost he's lost no. twenty six games out of uh, forty two this season across two two clubs, and you know, with the 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 costs and uh, of dropping out the football league and we were discussing last week the difficulty of getting back in you can totally understand why Doncaster made the decision they did they'd have been negligible uh, if they hadn't you know uh, tested the water with regards to other potential managers when they're on this run that ended up being two wins out of 16 I mean it was it was clear that if Schofield didn't turn things around in, in the latter part of the season they were at the very least going to have a decision to make We've seen yeah. a lot of clubs, you know, higher up this season, make decisions to sack managers cl- when they clearly haven't thought about what what comes next. You know, it's distasteful to say when someone's in a job and under contract, but you do have to think about these things. And at least Doncaster's timescale gives the impression that they, they they have done a bit of bit of groundwork and thought about it. But yeah, they, they need they need someone, as Leon says, they need someone with, just with more experience. You know, we've seen what happened with Andy Butler. We've seen what happened with Gary McSheffrey. We've seen what happened with Danny Schofield. Every good manager is an inexperienced manager once, but it's a lot, lot less of a risk if you go for someone who's been around the block and done it, and in the case of Grant McCann, actually knows the club as well. So I think I think if they're thinking along those lines, whether it be McCann or someone else, I yeah. just think that's the way they've got to go. Um, ultimately... You know, it's up to a new manager to come in and deliver, but the people who need to deliver most is the board on this promise that the new manager will get backed. Because we've heard, we've heard talk this like this before from them about you know we'll have competitive budgets and we'll bounce back and all this sort of thing, and they haven't delivered. So it's it's really really important that they come they come good on those performance on those promises. Um, they, they pick a manager, I say, with the right experience and the right credentials, and they just get behind him. Um, and I think, I think if they if they do that, I would hope that the, you know the supporters will will rally around too because they want what's best for their football club. They just want to be want to be given a bit of hope after some some miserable seasons. So yeah, lot of onus on the board to uh, to deliver this summer, starting with a good choice of manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's probably the, you know, the biggest appointment you know for a good few years at Doncaster, isn't there? Really, yeah. Well, it's. You know, it's good in, in, in well in the respect of the timing. It's the end of end of the season. There should be some decent um, decent candidates out there. You know, they can turn over the uh, t- turn over the page, have a little bit little bit of a breather, and then you know really go into the into the new season. You know, overhaul the the playing squad because that they'll, they'll certainly need to uh, to do that. You know, there's been a lot of um, I think a lot of players have been scarred by. By what's gone on, and obviously it's been three seasons in a in a row. Certainly, in a, you know, second halves of the season that have been pretty atrocious for um, from a Rovers perspective. So, yeah, the Stewart's right to say that they just the supporters there desperately need some some hope. You know, 18th place in in League Two, obviously touted as being you know a bit ocean ocean candidates before the ball was kicked, and you know there would have been. Um, Disappointment if they just missed out on the on the playoffs, and I don't think anybody envisaged them finishing, you know, in 18 spot where they are. Obviously, closer to the um, to the drop zone, really, wasn't it? And you know, a, a desperate fall from grace, and uh, yeah, they they need to uh, the board needs to sort of back back up the promises of of you know improving the you know investment levels and, and recruitment, and you know, to show that they're really serious, they need to get a. A serious operator at this level who who's had success. Mm. And worth, worth adding, sorry, just occurred to me as well. Um, Danny Schofield didn't even get his own backroom staff. They need to back the new manager with yeah. that as well. Yeah. Some coaches yeah. who he can 
who we can trust and work with. They, they've been they've been really they've been really negligent the board the last couple of years, and I, I know it's been difficult because of COVID, but they they really haven't stepped up to the to, up to the plate enough. It, it's really important that, that that they do their bit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, finally for this week, um, we turn to the great escape of Huddersfield Town, um, who under Neil Warnock's guidance finally finished nine points clear of the relegation zone. Um, after his appointment in February, the Terriers made sure of safety by beating uh, promoted Sheffield United and followed it up with a 2-0 victory over Reading. Uh, the departure of Neil Warnock, uh, or the, uh, the, uh, the the probable departure of Neil Warnock and the probable <laughs> arrival of a new owner um, uh, coming up on the horizon, what will the summer have in store for the West Yorkshire Club, Stuart? Well, I, I think we can pretty pretty safely say the departure of Neil Warnock. I mean, what a what a manager! It's just an incredible incredible performance by him, and and the way he inspired his team, the way he was with them was just absolutely brilliant. But I, I have to say, uh, and you know, Leon's probably got a view on this as well. You would see him in the post match press conferences, and to me, that was the only time he looked seventy four years old. He just looks mm. absolutely drained. So much as every Huddersfield fan will be desperate for him to go back in pre-season, I think he's right to say he just he just can't yeah. do this for a full season. Um, it's not it's not fair on him. It's not fair on his family, on his help, or anything like that. It's it's brilliant what he's done. It's absolutely brilliant what he's done these last few months. But he he is just going to have to just dip in for a couple of months a year, and I'm sure I'm sure he'll be back somewhere in February, coming to the rescue for someone else who's locked in the in the yeah. championship uh, relegation zone so for that reason i really really hope he doesn't have a third spell at, at huddersfield town but yeah he's just done he's just done a remarkable job but essentially what he's done is is just buy them time yeah. and now there's got to be a complete reset you know new owner comes in who knows what this means for for lee lee bromby as director of football but certainly, certainly a new manager. You know, they need somebody with some, you know, some some good ideas, able to make use of a squad that's got some really good experienced players. Leon and I have touched on that in the past. Yeah. Also, quite a lot of young promise as well. Merge them together in, in, into a good unit, make some good recruits, and just make make sure that this season goes down as as a blip rather than rather than last season. Because let's be honest, there's been a lot of relegation battles in various divisions at Huddersfield since uh, since David Wagner's second season, really. And you know they they shouldn't be they shouldn't be in that position. Warnock's shown them shown them what they're capable of, shown them what can happen when the the, the fan base really believe in in that football club. Kevin Nagel's now seen that in in person, having been at the at the game on Monday. And uh, yeah, again. Like the, like the Doncaster owners, it's it's really important he grasps the nettle, you know, makes some good decisions and 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 gives gives the new manager some some really good backing, whoever that may be. I hope he sort of takes the counsel of, of, of Warnock as well before he yes. before he sort of heads off back to Cornwall and gets his fishing rod out really because you know he's uh, obviously the job was to. You know the break. You know, it's just one break, wasn't it? Just, just get us out of, um, get us out of trouble. However, however way you you do it, but you know, I think as well, we will not kill. He'll he'll give his opinions about about things going forward. The players, you know, he's got that that remarkable insight of, you know, God knows how long in the game over over fifty years. He's seen every situation, every manner of player, and uh, you know, he un- he understands a player, and uh, you know, he's. His opinion and, uh, and judgment should be um, should be heeded, you know, especially with a new owner as well coming into the game. You know, it'd be, it'd be foolish really not to tap into uh, his his opinions and what he says. I mean, it's um, I just hope Huddersfield aren't too to keep it sensible with with Warnock's replacement, aren't too funky and thinking outside the box and be, and be too clever. You know, just get you know a proven um, manager. Um, um, Championship level, who's who's had success, and uh, yeah, I mean, you look at the squad. There's a few, you know, it seems it would be one or two, quite a few departures there. There's plenty of plenty of low signings who, who go back. The likes of you know um, Hungbo, who you know, he's wondering if he might return to, to Huddersfield. He's made a decent impact. 
you know, Knockart, Less so, um, Matt Loughton, there's a few others as well out of contract, isn't there? Some one or two big big players there, you know, Josh Caroma and, and Josh Ruffles who were who were brilliant in the in the in the latest Neil one great escape there. Bear up this summer, you wonder about what'll what'll happen um to them. Danny Ward as well, who's is always you know, when he when Warnock came to Huddersfield, you know, it was night follows day, I thought to myself, he's gonna be a big player in um in a Neil Warnock side fighting against relegation because you know he's been there before, and you know so it proved. And yeah, they've got a good. I think they've got a decent spine at Huddersfield. We know about the lads at the back: um, Tom Lee's, um, Matty Pearson, Michael Hellick. Now that's their players who you know you wouldn't usually so associate them with a rele- relegation battle in the Championship. They've been around the block. They've got. I think Jack Redoni's coming to his own as well in the last third of the season. Probably lack a little bit, maybe another another striker or two, and one of you know options on the wing. So even if Sober Thomas will probably end up at, at Blackburn. But I just hope they make a nice, you know, sensible decision. Have a word with, with Warner about where he sees the club are at going forward. Listen to it, garner a few opinions, and uh, yeah, and you just hope that the takeover will officially you know get over the line pretty quickly as well, because then they can really start to. To get cracking, but I think the main thing is just absolute sheer relief, isn't it? You know, from where Huddersfield were, even at the start, of the early days of Warnock's reign, after they they got a pounding at um, at Burnley, and uh, I did the Coventry game at home four 0 He did fear for them then, so just enjoy a little bit of, little of relief first before before turning the page and looking at the next chapter. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the big lesson Huddersfield have got to learn from this season, they've fallen into the same trap that Leeds have, really, in that they were so fixated on the long yeah, term, on bringing in young players and getting, you know, bringing in the young coach who they'd been developing and then replacing him with yeah. another young coach in Mark Fotheringham, that they lost short, they lost sight of the short term, and you've you've got to. Yeah. You've got to look after that. You know, if you're going to bring your players in, you need experienced players around them to help to help them to develop. So they, they they've just got to get the right balance. Obviously, they're working with they're working with tight finances. Money's not falling off trees at, at Huddersfield. That partly explains some of the players they've signed. But you, you do need that balance between between youth and experience. And and they say they went too far the other way last season, last summer, I should say. This, uh, this summer, they've got to get straight that balance much better. YorkshirePost.co.uk Many thanks to Stuart Rayner and Leon Wobshall, who will doubtless join us again soon for more discussions on the Yorkshire football scene. But don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging on to our website at yp.sport at nationalworld.com or if you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages or email us directly with the subject matter as footballtalkpodcast at yp.sport at nationalworld.com. As ever, many thanks for listening, look after yourselves and bye for now.